All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its host are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome back uh, to the second hour of Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and I want to thank our sponsors uh, for the second hour of today's show for making this show economically viable. They are Blue Goldwater Technologies, Prophecy Platinum, Balmoral Resources Limited, Golden Arrow Resources Corp., and SGX Resources. Well, I'm really pleased to have with me once again Dr. Robert McHugh. Dr. McHugh is president and CEO of Mainline Investors, Inc., founded in 2003, to provide technical market forecasts for stock and precious metals markets, offering trading education and platinum trading services for subscribers interested in managing a speculative segment of their total portfolio to achieve above average returns at uh, the website where you should go to learn more is a technical indicatorindex.com. That's uh, technicalindicatorindex.com. Dr. McHugh is the author of uh, the soon-to-be-published book, um, scheduled to be published in October 2013, titled The Coming Economic Ice Age, Five Critical Steps to Survival and Prosper. Prior to 2003, Dr. McHugh was a founder and chief financial officer of a regional bank in eastern Pennsylvania. Main Street Bank Corp was the name of the company, and uh, and he was the president of Main Street Investment Corp. Uh, prior to that, Dr. McHugh was financial officer for National Penn Bank Corp. His daily newsletter, uh, the Technical Indicator Index, is a must-read for anyone who watches the markets closely and desires to stay ahead of the herd uh, at every market turn. And I must say, as one who's paid a lot of attention to this market letter over the years, uh, nobody works harder than Dr. McHugh. Nobody provides more uh, conscientious effort and good hard work than Dr. McHugh. So really want to welcome you, Robert, to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Thank you, Jay. It's my pleasure to be here. Really good to have you here. Uh, you were with us a couple of years ago, maybe, I don't know exactly when it was, a year and a half, two years ago or so, and you were predicting what you described at that time, uh, the, a cataclysmic nation-changing event. At that time, I was sort of under the impression that you were assigning a fairly high probability that it would come before now. Was I reading you right uh, with respect to the timing of a major decline in stock prices, or, or was I... Or, or was I getting it wrong? Well, um, you may not have been getting it wrong. Uh, we've been tracking a massive pattern, a stock market pattern that is predictive. Uh, we've seen this pattern eight previous times in the last hundred years. And every time it comes to completion, 
Uh, we have a massive stock market decline and a massive Great Recession or even Depression uh, subsequent to it. The, the difficult nature of the pattern is um, prices have to reach the upper boundary, and the upper boundary is kind of running away from prices. It's rising. So it's a matter of when will prices decide to reach up and touch the upper boundary of this pattern. And once they do, uh, the pattern's completed and the calamity that I see coming as a result of this communication from the market will begin. And uh, so what happened is the ascent slowed uh, and uh, the upper boundary continued to rise further. So right now we see prices chasing the upper boundary, uh, although they are inching closer and closer. And as soon as we see prices reach that rising upper boundary of this megaphone top pattern, it's uh, uh, a two boundary pattern, the upper boundary is uh, rising, the lower boundary is declining, and it's marked by four touches of previous prices in the stock market uh, over the past 20 years. Uh, as soon as we see the price, the final leg of this pattern, which we're in now, reach the upper boundary and it's getting close, uh, that will bring completion and at that point we'll know that calamity should be uh, on its way. Uh, the bull market is over that we've enjoyed for centuries. Uh, this is a major, major decline that will be following this pattern. So we're not just talking about something, the bull market that, are, that took place after the last Great Depression, but you're talking about something much longer term than that. Yeah, um, the different patterns, or this pattern that we've seen in the different periods of time over the last 100 years, they've taken maybe anywhere from six months to, to two years to, to develop the uh, megaphone broad, broadening top uh, pattern. I call it the jaws of death pattern. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been about a six-month to two-year process to, to, for the pattern to, to take shape and complete. This pattern that we're looking at is 20 years, oh, actually over 20 years in the making. It is the largest pattern of the, uh, I've ever seen uh, of the Jaws of Death. It's the largest uh, iteration of it. And what that means is the ensuing decline will be greater than anything we've seen. The Great Depression of the early uh, 30s um, was, substan- was preceded by a substantially smaller Jaws of Death pattern that we're seeing now. It only had a few years in the making. This thing's 20 years. This is going to be something that will be correcting a grand super cycle wave three bull market that's been in process since the Middle Ages. And um, that's coming to conclusion. This pattern is the final step for this centuries-long bull market, um, taking us way back to the uh, to the tulips uh, back in Holland and uh, and so on. When uh, when the economies were measured in terms of commodities more than, than money. And so, what's next is something that we is unprecedented that we haven't seen in centuries. Um, and so, you know, it, it, it's something that we have to stand up, take attention to, and try to figure out what we can do to be prepared. Um, it's coming, I would say, you know, some point in the next two three years, this market will top, and then the the subsequent uh, decline and uh, economic uh, um, retrenchment is going to, uh, you know, it's not going to be overnight. It's going to be a lengthy one because it's been a a huge uh, bull market. It will be correcting the grand super cycle wave for decline, but it's going to take many, many years uh, before it's uh, it's over, and we're going to have to be prepared for this. But would this be uh, sort of set off by a major stock market collapse, do you think, or or what, what could set this thing off? We're talking about the stock market collapse here, aren't we? Yeah, we are, and I think maybe more than one. Um, you know, inside the grand super cycle bull market, we have seen several stock market crashes 
over the past hundred years. Um, I think this grand super cycle could have, you know, it's not going to go straight down. It'll be down, up, down, up, down, up. But the, it'll be lower lows and lower highs each way. And the declines, I think we could see a series of crashes. Then you recover a little bit. Then you get another crash. Um, we could see many crashes. It depends on, you know, what, how it wants to start. Will it start with a crash? Will it start with a slow uh, decline? Will, will it be kind of the frog in the, in the pan of mm-hmm. cool water and you put them on the stove and you won't even realize it and all of a sudden you're in trouble and then it builds and then all of a sudden it's identified and then it crashes or will it be a, a subs- will it be an immediate crash right out of the gate? There's no way to know that at this mm-hmm. point, although we will be gathering information to keep, a, keep track of that so that as we get closer to this time we may be able to predict that. But at this point the nature, specific nature of the decline, it's very difficult. I can say it'll be huge. It'll impact every everything globally. It, it could change political structures, um, and it's going to require people being uh, prepared, uh, being ready so that they are not in a position of weakness going to this, but they're in a position of as much strength as possible. Mm-hmm. And every time there's been a, a major decline, there's always opportunities to prosper. Yeah. There's always an opportunity if you're on the right mark, if you're in the right position, if you're strong enough, that you can actually do okay. And so that's one of the things in my book I want to I want to cover. I cover uh, very carefully uh, some ideas for people to try to uh, think about and uh, consider as they prepare for this this coming event. Sure. So we need to be proactive uh, if we can understand what's coming and then prepare for it accordingly. And I guess that's the coming economic ice age, the name of your book. You'll be trying to help people do that. Also, I, I would imagine that you'll be talking a lot about this uh, jaws of, of death, you call it, or the megaphone formation. I haven't heard too many other people talking about that, though, Robert. I think probably uh, Robert Prechter uh, sort of sees this sort of... Uh, so the magnitude of what you're talking about, the jaws of death, are you talking about a bull market that goes back to the Middle Ages, for goodness sake? So we're talking hundreds of years of, of something that's going to be reversed, essentially? Is that what you're saying? Yes, yes. I mean, a good portion of the, of the, of the bull market that we've seen over, over centuries uh, will be reversed. Not entirely, because it's, it's only going to correct a portion of the bull market. It's a, it's a corrective wave and a five-wave uh, you know, multi-century, multi-millennium rally, but it, it, it's going to be significant in terms of uh, daily prices and uh, and the economy and our way of life and, and, and what we're able to do to make money and mm-hmm. hold on to money and protect our future and, and be okay. Mm-hmm. Well, you talked about a cataclysmic nation-changing event in your, uh, is the is sort of terminology you used, and I mean, that would be fitting given the magnitude of what you're talking about. But I'm wondering, Robert, if maybe that cataclysmic change hasn't already started to evolve. Because as I look at the country that I live in now, it doesn't resemble the country I lived in when I was born. um, um, And that's 66 years ago. Uh, And as I grew up as a young person before we went off the gold standard in 1971... I I, uh, I I know there was a time when our individual liberties were taken more seriously than they seem to be now. It seems to me that uh, that people are very very concerned about uh, about protect uh, are very more uh, seem not to care very much about their liberties. Seem not to care all that much about the revelations that have come out from Mr. Snowden and others. Um, but do you think that 
things have already changed it's this uh, since 2000 uh, you know since stock market crash of 2000 was a big event and then we've had of course the um, you know 9/11 uh, we have the 2008 2009 debacle those were already big events and it seems to me that we've already had a major change in our country that has sort of resulted from them would you agree with that I would Jay I would completely agree with that in fact I have a chapter in my book called the sabotaging of the American economy, and it didn't happen overnight, um, but it's continuing. And I think that's what this pattern is saying, is, is, is an enormous change and deterioration. It's a change that's not for our, for our good. It's not in our best interest in our way of life and the way our uh, economy is, is, is run and the way our government is run. These changes are, uh, are so negative that it's going to result in a very, a very bad uh, outcome, a very a big time, uh, not just an economic decline, but something that could change the political landscape, uh, you know, maybe uh, affects, uh, like, what we believe is our constitutional rights, uh, right. you know, who knows, but no. like, you know, I know you've done a lot of work in that area, and uh, I mean, I just know empirically uh, the, the freedom of speech is now uh, considered, uh, you know, at risk because uh, if you give you a, an opinion, uh, any anybody uh, can say, well, that's a hate crime, you know. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, if, if, uh, you, if you, uh, yeah, if you say anything that is not politically correct, it could be deemed a hate crime, and uh, yeah. you know, it's a, and 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 you have to think that our religious freedoms could be at risk here too, because if you really say what you believe religiously, you know, if you say as a Christian or a Jew or even a Muslim, I suppose, if you say what you believe, although it seems to me that the Muslims can say and do pretty much what they want, but the Christians can't in this day and age. But it seems to me that um, if if you know you you have an opinion about something that runs counter to what's politically correct, and it's uh, and it comes from your faith or your religion, and you speak out about it, you could be in trouble. Yep, there's an an, an attempt to take away our right to bear arms. There's an attempt to uh, free take away free speech. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, you're guilty until proven innocent instead of innocent right. until proven guilty. Um, I know it's very important that we uh, honor and respect our our first. Uh, you know, first responders, but uh, we, are we getting out of balance? Um, yeah. You know, uh, are we arresting people and 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 and, and without a just uh, due process? Right, exactly. Uh, well, we're throwing know. that out, and that's uh, that's that's very troubling. I I only bring those issues up because I want to get back on economics, but I only bring them up because of this sort of. It seems to me. Uh, that we may already be heading into that sort of, even though the stock market is is making seemingly making new highs now uh, these days, but that in fact the deterioration of our economy and so forth doesn't really doesn't really match uh, our economy doesn't match the stock market's performance, does it? In your view? No, no, not at all. And the thing is, there 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 is a, a wide chasm between the two, and they are not the same. All the Fed's actions have been aimed at the, the stock market, it, and none of them really have been aimed at Main Street, at the, the, uh, the household. Yeah. Uh, all the policies over the past decade especially have been all about, uh, you know, Goldman Sachs and, and what's good for them and what's good for uh, for the big boys up on, on Wall Street. And uh, and Main Street, you know, anybody can tell, I mean, the prices of everything have quadrupled, quintupled. To go to get a cavity filled now, you might have spent forty-five bucks to get it filled uh, ten years ago. Now you're spending four, five hundred dollars. The stuff that's going on is not effect, not helpful to the to the to the household. Uh, 
the, all the Fed's printing, the, the money, uh, they go buy bad securities from the, from Wall Street, put them on their balance sheet and send good cash over to Wall Street. And Wall Street hangs on to the cash and then, and then buys uh, commodities, bond and stock uh, markets uh, with the cash because they got to do something with it and, and it, um, inflates the price of, of everything. And that's why you see the stock market rising, but not hardly any of that money is filtering down to the household. Yeah, it, it certainly seems to be the case, and, uh, and it's, a, it's a gigantic casino that these guys are given free chips to play with, and then they, um, a, and then if they lose money, they'll co- they'll come back to us uh, for uh, for bailouts again or bail ins, as the case may be. Uh, I, I want to talk a, a little bit. Um, so your your forecast for the equity markets then long term perhaps beginning this year or when do you think we start to see a decline it's hard to say i guess it's sort of you're really looking uh the the goal line changes as time goes on doesn't it as new information comes on you have to keep altering your not all altering your big picture views for sure but altering the timing it's just impossible to say when this is going to take place that's right the timing depends upon how fast the stock market rises it has to rise to the level of the top of the pattern once it reaches the top of the pattern the other eight patterns that we've had in the last hundred years that's pretty much it it usually doesn't hang and crawl along the top of that pattern for very long so once we see prices kiss the top of that rising uh, boundary line, then we'll know we're very, very near. Um, it has not done that yet. It has another 1,500 points. If it was to, to kiss that upper boundary line now, uh, the Dow Industrials would, want, would need to rise to around 17,000. So it's not there yet. Um, but an accelerated rally um, would get us there sooner, and a slower methodical rally would get us there later. Uh, and once we do reach that upper boundary, then I'd say uh, it, it's time. The time has come. So it's time to enjoy the uh, the rise in stock prices now and make some money that way, but be but be wary. And I know uh, on a weekly basis, at least if not on a daily basis, you're bringing people up to speed on uh, on these uh, changing patterns. Um, That's right, Jay. Yes. Yeah. Now let me ask you. So you're bearish on the equity markets long term. What about gold? I'm bullish on gold long term. Um, I think that if you look at history, uh, the history of uh, stock market declines. Gold has either broken even or made money, uh, done well. Uh, it's a safe haven. People uh, go back to it. And, and what's unusual about what's coming down the pike here is, uh, you know, will, will our currency change? Will, will fiat currency be uh, seen as money? Or will gold's, um, you know, gold's purpose as money Will that will that be given more widespread acceptance? And so, if that happens, of course, gold is going to do very well. So, I think, uh, and also looking at the technical patterns, gold's just finishing up a two-year correction in a very, very large bull market. It's a wave four. It's about to start a very, very large wave five rally, and the timing's fantastic because it's finishing up its pattern as the same time the stock market's finishing up its pattern, and they're going to move in opposite directions. The next leg for gold is a wave five, and in precious metals, wave fives are the most dramatic. So gold is all set up to, once this draws of death pattern is reached in, in stocks, about the same time gold's going to take off, according to the technical patterns. Do you think we've seen the low in this correction for gold, or is it impossible to say? Uh, I don't think 
We have. Uh, I'm looking at uh, this every single day, and, and it would look better with one more decline in gold, maybe even down to 1100 mm-hmm. Um I know gold bugs aren't going to be happy about that, but it could be the buying opportunity of the century. Um, but the pattern I'm, sh- I'm tracking, if we get a drop down to that level, it really looks complete. It really looks like we're in a, in a position where, where the worst is over for gold and it's ready to take off for quite a long time and quite a quite far, far yeah. distance. Uh, silver, do you like that one as well long term? Yeah, silver should perform a lot like gold and it's got the same uh, wave count and same <laughs> technical pattern as gold and should follow the same, same path that gold does. You know, there's less silver in the world than there is... There is gold, believe it or not, and uh, so that's kind of an interesting concept. Silver's been money in the past, and when we go into this economic ice age, maybe it'll become money again. So, silver's kind of an interesting item to uh, at least consider for a portion of your portfolio. Uh, you're as a former banker. Uh, what are your thoughts? You know, we're hearing all of the happy talk from the mainstream that the banking industry is is on the mend, um, and yet. We don't. They don't mark to market anymore. I read a report recently that suggested that eighty percent of the defaulted mortgages are not, are being held off the market, and that they've uh, managed to, uh, you know, with with hedge funds and so forth, come in and buy that limited supply of distressed mortgages that were allowed to be put on the market. The banks don't have to mark these these securities to market. That's my understanding. But <clears throat> as one who is a, a professional banker in the past, you what? how do you see the banking industry now? And, and could that be a tip, a trigger for a tipping point at some point here in the, in the confidence game in the equity markets? If banks are definitely going to be affected in the coming economic ice age, I have a whole chapter on uh, what could happen to them and why. Um, and they will be a big player and a big... Uh, part of the of the problem they will become part of the problem lending is going to dry up um and without a, a good functional uh, uh, intermediary function of lending, uh, that's bad for the economy. Um, right now, banks are scared to lend. I mean, yes. it's very, very difficult to get loans right now because they have raised down payment requirements so high uh, for properties that it's, it's really one of the reasons the real estate market is so shut down is because of these unrealistically high uh, down payment expectations. Um, it's kind of gone the opposite direction. Before, there was hardly any down payment money required. And that was not good. And now we're, they're asking in some cases for 30% down on, on real estate transactions. And people can't come up with that kind of cash because the value of their, their particular properties and other assets have not gone up. So this cash is so hard to come by that everything's frozen up. And it's just going to get 10 times worse uh, in the economic ice age. Well, it would seem to me then that we could, I mean, if I know that the Bank of England and the FDIC has worked together on a, they've written a white paper that essentially lays out the blueprint for bail-ins, just as happened in Cyprus. I had uh, another guest on this show, John Rubino, was on last week, and, and he uh, he suggested that, in fact, what might really cause a, a confidence meltdown would be, in for Americans, would be, in fact, a sort of a bail-in. When you go to your, open your bank statement or go to the bank and find out you have 5 or 10% less money there because the government just decided they're going to take it. And I've had Ellen Brown on this show who points out that, I mean, and, and you would, you would would certainly know this as well as Ellen, that people don't realize when they put their money in the bank, it's not their money. They're essentially unsecured creditors to the bank, right? So if do you think this is something that could really set things off, though? I mean, I, I understand the banks are going to get hurt during the coming economic ice age, but could it be that the that we have another banking debacle that could trigger this whole thing? It's definitely a possibility because 
the kind of things you see that are coming out of government now, the edicts, the uh, decisions, the uh, the manifestation, the, the manifestos, um, that that it's almost like we're headed toward dictatorship, and um, at, you know they're all set up for martial law anytime they want to, and it wouldn't take much to just. Uh, you know, cause order banks to do this kind of thing and uh, give them permission to do that kind of thing. Uh, you know, it's going to be very important to remain independent of, of as many organizations as you possibly can to protect yourself. Um, and and the, uh, what you just described is a real possibility. And these are things you'll be talking about again in the coming economic ice age, the kinds of things yep. that you need to do to be as independent from as many organizations and institutions as possible. Um, you, you certainly do follow the treasury markets, the U.S. treasury market. It's certainly been on a, a bull market for forever, it seems, since the last great you know interest rate spike in the early uh, 1980, 82 time frame. Uh, my first mortgage was a 17.5% mortgage, and I think back to that time and realize that treasuries, you know, the interest rates have started to rise. Do you think the bull market in treasuries is over? No, I do not. You don't? I, okay. I, no, I don't. Um, I think what will happen is uh, when the uh, market peaks, stock market peaks, uh, bonds will again be considered a safe haven, and uh, U.S. Treasuries will be, uh, money will flow heavy into the U.S. Treasuries from overseas, from domestic sources, and, uh, you know, and uh, and it's going to keep uh, interest rates uh, low, and, uh, and the prices of bonds will do well. Um, I, I really believe that. Um, mm-hmm. Initially, and then what happens at that point is you get into issues of how how good is the full faith and credit of the United States. Right. And I guess my opinion on that is, as long as they have the strongest military on earth, it's going to be a pretty decent place uh, to be. Um, but you do have the inflation risk side of bonds. But I see, but I see inflation not being that big of, a, of an issue at this point because um, once the stock market drops sharply, you're going to have such a huge deflationary yeah. um, result that. Um, I think I think treasuries will will be an okay place uh, unless some political change occurs, some some out of the blue thing, and that's the problem. With what's coming with this coming economic ice age is this is these are major changes we're talking yeah, about, major right, changes. Right. You know, the things that we can't even comprehend right now right. that that would be considered unfathomable. I mean, you talked about how thirty years ago. If you had looked at where we are today, you would have said that a lot of what we see today is unfathomable, and and, and multiply that by ten, uh, that's where we're headed. You know, so it's hard to say. But at this point, looking at the charts and looking at the the um, what should happen when the stock market falls, is I think treasury rates should be okay. Robert, we just have another maybe five minutes to go, but I would like to ask you a little bit about your uh, maybe comment a little bit more on the methodologies you use in your newsletter to make your forecast. You are uh, large. I mean, to a great extent, I know you use Elliott Wave. Uh, could you just maybe briefly tell, for the sake of listeners that aren't that familiar with Elliott Wave, just describe briefly what an Elliott Wave is? Because I think of you and I think of Robert Prechter as primary Elliott Wave practitioners. And incidentally, Robert Prechter turned bearish on, on treasuries, long-dated treasuries, about a year ago. And his uh, he made a very interesting comment, uh, and I think it's very, very appropriate. He said, when interest rates start to rise, there will be those that say they're rates are rising because the economy is doing better and we heard Mr. Bernanke say that uh, just uh, last week in the uh, before the Congress uh, his testimony there uh, and then he said there would be the hyperinflationists, uh, the James Turks of this world that believe that we are James, uh, economist Williams and others, uh, Peter Schiff among many, that believe that we're inevitably heading towards hyperinflation and the interest rates are starting to rise for that reason. And then, um, but Prechter said he believes they'll rise because of, of defaults, that is, massive defaults. 
and uh, and you know the fear of of, uh, of of defaulting. And I guess what you're saying is later on that's a possibility, but initially we'll see a strength in the U.S. Treasuries. I, I guess that's exactly right. Too. That's how I see now. Non-treasury uh, fixed income securities. That's a different ballgame. Okay. Uh, yeah. We we could see corporates uh, get into trouble a lot sooner than the treasuries do. Right. And the interest rates on corporates could go through the roof, um, you know, early in the in the uh, in the decline. Uh, that I definitely could see happen because it gets back to the credit worthiness. Are you going to get your money back? Right. And that's going to be a real issue. And uh, you know, once this uh, dec- coming decline gets gets rolling, that's going to be a real big issue. Right. Okay, I'm sorry. I, I sort of went off on a tangent there. I went back. My memory went back to this interest rate and, and um, issue of the treasuries. But getting back to the methodologies, maybe just for the sake of our listeners, um, Elliott Wave. Explain to people Elliott Wave, and then maybe just mention a couple of the other uh, methods that you use to help you forecast uh, uh, the markets. Sure. The whole. Uh overall category is called technical analysis, which is a scientific discipline used for forecasting the direction of stock, bond, commodity, and currency prices through the study of past market data, primarily price and volume. And uh, the theory is that the underlying thesis is that market prices are the result of the mass psychology of all investors everywhere, that these price patterns, these prices moves form patterns, the patterns predict the future price moves of the market. Um, it, it's a, it, t- it takes the uh, position that a, a market price is determined by um, all knowledge everywhere by everyone about everything on earth. And um, some people buy, some people sell based upon what their beliefs are. Mm-hmm. And the overall general accumulation of all these uh, decisions that everybody in the world are making at one time lands in the markets. The markets form patterns. Uh, one of those uh, uh, sub-sciences of technical analysis is Elliott Wave Analysis, and that suggests that when markets are moving in a uh, powerful trend, there's going to be a five-wave move. Three of those moves will be progressive, and, and two of those will be retracements or corrections. And once you get to that fifth move and its completion, then the, the market reverses. Mm-hmm. And um, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. It's yeah. a lot more complicated than that, but sure. that's really oversimplifying it. Sure. And then the other thing I really like to look at are patterns, where they're actually pictures, where the where the prices of the markets on a chart over time actually form pictures. And uh, that's what this megaphone draws a death pattern is. It's a big picture, and it's like, whoa. And there's a history of these pictures. They are reliable. They're correlative with different price moves. You can actually predict off of these things. And then I have other indicators which are, are more statistical in nature that track uh, volume and price and, and uh, advances, declines, and that kind of thing. And in certain combination, they can give you buy and sell signals over the shorter term. And so you kind of get a short-term uh, view of the markets, medium-term and long-term on this overall pattern. Now, I've been, you know, I used technical analysis when I was doing investing. I was investing billions of dollars back when I was working in the banking, and I relied heavily on technical analysis as opposed to fundamental analysis, mm-hmm. although that, you know, the fundamentals you get on CNBC and stuff, that's that's fine and dandy, but they're looking at historical results, you know. Yes. What, did, what did the company do yesterday? And I want to know what's going to happen tomorrow. And technical analysis is a predictive tool. I found it to be extremely helpful and made a lot of money for the, the banks I worked for uh, using it. So when I got out of there, I... 
I jumped right into it full-time, uh, got my Ph.D. in this area, and mm-hmm. uh, started this business up 10 years ago. And I've had a lot of success. I predicted the stock market crash of 2008 in September to the day um, using these tools. It wasn't clairvoyance. It's, it's these tools really work. And, uh, and so uh, that's kind of what it is, and, uh, and, and uh, answer your question. Yeah, sure. That's a, that's a good a good brief summary, and I think uh, listeners uh, should go to uh, the it's technicalindicatorindex.com and be, because you give a lot of explanations. I mean, if people really are serious about this, you, everything you need to know about it, uh, about, about what Robert does is there. And, uh, Robert, I, I, on the issue of gold, though, another, as I said, another very well-known technical analyst is, is Robert Prechter, uh, who practices Elliott Wave. And Robert and you see gold in, in different ways, don't you? I mean, he seems to be very bearish on gold, always bearish. Uh, no, I, that's not fair, not always bearish, but he has been for a long time. And, uh, and, you're, and you're bullish. How do you account? Of course, he may use other, other tools in addition to Elliott Wave as well. But how do you account for two very competent practitioners of Elliott Wave seeing gold in such uh, different ways? I think Bob is really focused on the deflationary effects on gold. Um, I don't know how he feels about the potential for the collapse of fiat currencies and the importance that gold is going to play mm-hmm. in that new world. I don't know what his thinking is. Um, I certainly am looking at some LA wave charts that certainly allow for a huge rally in gold uh, starting sometime over the next year or so. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's a very valid wave count. Sometimes waves can be interpreted different ways, but uh, I have a feeling it has to get has to do with some of the more fundamental uh, views of, of 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 things such as deflation. Mm-hmm. Uh, will gold become money, mm-hmm. um, and, and that sort of thing? And I, I really believe that uh, there will be a hyperinflation in, in fiat currency to the point where they're worthless, and uh, that gold is going to become money and it's going to be an important safe haven, and it's going to be an underground black market to buy and sell with gold uh, if, 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 if we run into serious trouble and political issues have evolved in this coming economic ice age. Um, so I'm really, really, really bullish on, on, on gold for a whole lot of reasons, and many of them which I'm not covering now, yeah. but I do cover in my book. Um, sure. That, that really tie into the whole big picture of what I see coming down the pike here. Well, when you, uh, when you come out with your book, uh, we'd like to have you on the show again, and we can maybe talk about it briefly and, and try to get some people interested in it. That's scheduled for October, I believe we said, isn't it? October? Yes. Yes. Thank you, Jay. Yes. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, one more question before I let you go, Robert. You frequently quote scripture, biblical scripture, in your newsletter. For example, last weekend... In your letter, you quoted verses from John uh, in the New Testament and also from Jeremiah in the Old Testament. Why do you do that? Well, because uh, I learned a long time ago that um, God is in control and that um, in spite of the uh, tribulation tribulation that we see, the struggles, the, uh, the difficult economic times, that God is in control, that he loves us, that he cares, and that he's uh, intimately acquainted with what's happening and that we have that hope. 
And I try to remind my readers uh, every day that we can go to him for for hope and that he ultimately will uh, solve uh, our problems and save the day uh, if we yield to him and listen to him and and, and follow him um, and and his son Jesus, uh, that that is the way uh, to uh, to, uh, a fulfilling life and and to make sense of all this chaos. So it's it's something that I learned a long time ago, and I just like to remind in a very gentle uh, way uh, in case anybody's looking for hope that it's there to, to Kind of read and go. Ah, yeah, it'll be okay. Yeah. yeah. No, it's just certainly a good. It's cert- certainly, as we look at what's going on these days, certainly good to have some hope. Robert, there's no question about that. And for that reason, I do uh, broach that topic from time to time on my radio show. We've had uh, an author, a scientist, uh, uh, that wrote about a book called The Science of God and is uh, a Jewish man, a professor, former MIT professor, um, you know, who really, I think, really provides the strong scientific evidence for uh, for the existence of God and, and the sort of Judeo-Christian concept that we were all brought up with and, and so much of which has been basically cast aside. So, you know, I think what I'm about, and I know what you're about, is the truth, and uh, I think that's what we always need to be looking forward to, uh, is the truth. I want to thank you very much, Robert, for being with us today, helping us uh, in the, in our search for the truth. I really wish you all the best, and uh, hope to have you on again sometime in the near future. Thank you, Jay. It's been a real pleasure. I hope to, hope to be back. Thank you very much. Well, folks, don't go away. I'll be right back after the commercial break. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network in this climate of increasing global economic uncertainty just one safe haven remains precious metals led by a strong proven management team prophecy platinum is actively developing the well-green platinum group metals nickel and copper property A large, easily accessible deposit in the Yukon with an estimated resource of 1 million ounces of PGM and gold indicated and a further 11 million ounces inferred. Large deposit, excellent infrastructure, impressive drill results, and increasing international demand. To learn more about Prophecy Platinum and the Wellgreen Project, visit prophecyplat.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number 4, Taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Training Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me once again David Gerwitz of Charles Nanner Research. We've had David on the show. Uh, we have him on from time to time because he's a spokesperson for the brilliant work of Charles Nanner, uh, who is uh, sometimes described as a walking logarithm. And I met Charles in New York a few 
Oh, I guess it's been a couple of months ago, thanks to David, who introduced me to him. And Charles is, is really a brilliant person, but he is, uh, and he's a nice man, but he is obviously, uh, I'd like to say that he has smoke coming out of his ears. His brains are working so hard, and he is really brilliant. And, and Char- uh, David, on the other hand, well, David is also a very bright guy and a very accomplished in many different areas of, of, uh, of his life, uh, but he also has an ability to take what Charles knows and, and does and, and transcribe that into lay talk so people like me can understand uh, what Charles is really saying. And so welcome, David. Really good to have you back again. Thank you, Jay. I, I remember all the smoke coming out of his ears also. <laughs> I'll bet you do. And we might tell our listeners right away before we go any further. It's Charles Nenner, N-E-N-N-E-R, Charles, C-H-R, C-H-A-R-L-E-S, Nanner.com, where you should go if you, and I would advise you to go if you're interested in trading the markets. Uh, David does a wonderful job there. There's a video about halfway down the screen uh, to the right side of that website, uh, a video that David, uh, of a speech and a discussion that David made at Bloomberg discussing Charles Nanner's methodology. And I think it's very informative. It real, will really help you understand the rhyme and the reason behind the wonderful work of, of Charles Nanner. So, uh, so please, folks, go to charlesnanner.com. Well, David, you know, um, this has been a tough one for those of us on the long side of the gold market. Talk to us a little bit about gold and silver. What's Charles saying there on, on those markets? Well, let me read you Monday's research, and then I'll give you a longer picture. But although Monday's mentioned it also, it said gold continues on a buy signal from 1270. And then silver will join it once it closes above 20.3. Cycles are up until August. Too early to decide if the low's been seen, however longer term we expect new highs. So what he's been saying since he took everyone out at 1900 and around 50, respectively, for gold and silver, which were two of the many amazing calls the man has made since I'm working with him, and I know he made many before because of the people I know who knew him before I met him, is that this bottom which we're real close in, is going to be a bottom and then going to go back past the highs. So those who are long, who lived through this demise in this last period of time, who were probably drinking a lot more scotch than they used to, to live with it, <laughs> they should stay long and even think about putting more money in as hard as that is emotionally. That's number one. Number two, um, you know, like you and I were talking before, gold's had a tremendous run-up. So a lot of people who've been in it, this has been a temporary knockdown. Yeah. And emotionally, just like we took everyone out of Apple around 702, and now it's been down, get ready to go long Apple. It's very hard, given all the information, for people to think straight. And that's mm-hmm. one of the brilliant things Charles has done, is find a pretty amazing system of repeating patterns that lets you avoid trouble if you listen to him. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's what I always ask. I appreciate you having your listeners um refer to the site, charlesnander.com, write in and say you heard me speak to you, and they get a free look for about a month and watch, and it takes a while to understand all the ways that he, he writes it, and I edit it and try and make it clear to everybody in stocks, bonds, commodities, and currencies, because there's a bunch of trades to be thinking oh. about, right? Oh, there really you are. And a bunch you could yeah, I've done some. I, I've done some when I have the time to watch. I would say that for me personally, what's most important though is that I'm at my screen or close to it most of the time, so I can keep my eye on things. So you know, you you set stop losses and trigger points and so forth. But uh, I like to watch it and and keep track of the markets. So I think that's that's fairly important. But but yes, if you really 
if you and I think uh, Charles said to me when I met him, you know, people need to get in the minute I say get in because sometimes the move can be very rapid, right. and then it might still be a buy signal, but maybe seventy, eighty, ninety percent of the upside is gone. So you right. you know, so that's important too. But I would just mention I just mentioned here, David, though that <clears throat> you said that. Um, the buy signal was from 1270. Well, we've seen 1342 today on the on mm-hmm. the market, somewhere around that range. So it's been yeah. a nice little run, already right. a bounce. And I guess Charles Charles isn't sure yet if this is just a temporary bounce. If we go back and test the lows, right. or if this is a real thing. And I think, as I recall, a week or two ago, he had another higher number, uh, something like 1400 something that he was Correct. looking to to really make it a safe trade to the long right. side. Now, I'll tell you how that works. Again, the system gives you timing. It gives you level, and it gives you direction, which mm-hmm. is the ideal thing for anything. You know, how's the quarterback do? He goes back, he counts one, two, three, four, he throws to the spot. Mm-hmm. The guy who's running, going out, left, right, and hopefully he's there. Charles kind of does the same thing with everything here, and he's looking for the timing and the level to coincide. Uh-huh. Both different algorithms, by the way, for everything, for stocks, for bonds, commodities, currencies. And when they both coincide, it's a 90% or more probability trade he really likes to take those obviously he's a high percentage shooter mm-hmm. so ideally he sees turbulence until probably next month and at that level and after that month the weather gets better for gold and silver and the level looks better at that point so you might have missed part of this move up but it's wrenching to get there i keep saying it's a boxing match till the low 1400s and and maybe several more weeks, but afterwards it looks like it's really good to go. So people have to start planning. Are they going to put more into an area they've lost so much the last year and a half? Which mm-hmm. the answer is we'd recommend yes, but again, it's emotional. And yeah. um, But he thinks it's going to go back to the highs. Copper, on the other hand, he called the top. It's mm-hmm. interesting. What's the biggest copper company in the world? Today they announced they're selling off assets. And we think copper, Yeah. It's so interesting. Yeah. The cycles predict the future, but very hard for people to accept it. They think it's Ben Bernanke that's influenced. Yeah. <laughs> he only does stuff based on cycles. And that's why bonds, right. we had a bounce, he called, and longer-term bonds will be down. I know you, you talk to me about everything, not just gold and silver, because your listeners don't only trade gold and silver. Right. You know, no, that's right. And in fact, it, it prompts me to ask you the question with, the, with only a couple of minutes left here, David. Okay. Uh, the sunshine... The, the skies get bluer and the sun comes out stronger for gold and silver in another month or so, perhaps. But what about U.S. stocks? They should be topping. They should be topping. Yeah, him. he's been calling seventeen twenty for a while, S and P futures, and they're gonna. It looks like a down move. It doesn't mean it won't come back up, mm-hmm. but this should be the top. And it's, he looks down for many, many years. Even though, again, it's not straight down. That's why it's important mm-hmm. for people to. Watch the research. Again, charlesnanner.com, please write in, mention you heard me, and watch it. But it's not going to be way, it, you know, he looks at seeing that it's going to be heading down for several years. And, you know, the, he's out now. He said there's no reason to be in. According okay, so to the, so, some people are more risk-taking. He gave a target. So Yeah. So the upside is limited, but he sees yeah. a huge downside, long-term yeah. secular bear market for stocks he's seeing. Yeah. I don't know. We yeah. don't like those terms. Yeah. Because <laughs> we don't know what they mean. Yeah. But, okay. But Fine. down for bonds and stocks, mm-hmm. which will be a very interesting, oh, wow. positive, 
coordination yeah. up for grains and grain stocks, up for gold, up for silver, down for copper. The dollar, which everybody is interested in, has been strong like he predicted, and he thinks next year it continues to be strong, and then it turns the other way. So there's a lot of stuff to think about, and I think people should really not only get the research, but try and think in a way that's maybe less news-oriented and more what actually happened in the past that repeats, that cycles seem to help us predict. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And the, and the great Richard Russell always says, "Let the markets uh, talk to you. Don't listen to what you're hearing on the uh, on the mainstream media or even on on uh, programs like this." So I think that's what really what Charles what Charles Nanner does. You know, he he's letting the market talk to him. And um, let me add another thing, Jay. We don't manage money, and we're not brokers, so we don't have right. any incentive to to take these positions. Yeah, a lot of times yeah. he says, "Go to sidelines." Don't do anything. Well, that Obviously, is, uh, people do stuff, and we understand that. But they should keep that in mind in the context of what we're saying in terms of hedging or planning or some places have to be long. You know, people holding gold should hold it. They shouldn't get rid of it. I mean, well, that's. Uh, I think that's a very, very good point to make, uh, David, because uh, it shows that you don't have a vested interest. It's really pure research and, uh, and I think, really objective research. So I want to thank you very much. We are out of time. Okay. Well, we'll have you back again soon, I hope. Always, always a pleasure, Jay. Really, always, really always fun talking to you as well, David. Thank you thank so you. much for being with us again. Thank Folks, you, don't Jay. go away. I'll be right back after the commercial break with some thoughts about today's show and uh, a word about next week's guest. Don't go away. I'll be right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Golden Arrow Resources on the TSX Exchange has recently made a new silver discovery and is presently drilling a 6,500-meter program on that discovery. A maiden resource calculation is expected to be released in April of this year. The project is located in Jujuy Province in northern Argentina, just 30 kilometers from the Perquitas Mine operated by Silver Standard. Golden Arrow has an experienced team with decades of experience in Argentina. Golden Arrow offers shareholders exceptional leverage with an exciting new silver discovery. SGX Resources is an exploration gold company with multiple advanced exploration projects in the Timmins Gold Camp. Recent high-grade intersections at SGX's Tully Deposit include 14 meters at 20.1 grams per ton and 17.6 meters at 11.1 grams per ton. The deposit is currently more than 600 meters along strike with a depth of up to 250 meters and remains open in all directions. SGX Resources trades on the TSX Venture Exchange with the trading symbol SXR. Visit our website at www.sgxresources.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number 4, Taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. 
Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor. And uh, I should mention uh, that the interview that you heard earlier in today's show with Sandgold CEO was recorded uh, at the end of last week when the stock was selling at 10 to 12 cents. It closed uh, at over 18 cents today. So a good percentage move already, but I think there could be a lot more to come, not just because the gold price is going up, but because I believe that Sandgold is getting its uh, its house in order. Uh, but time will tell whether, whether that is correct or not. But that's, that's what I believe, and that's why I put more of my own money into sand gold recently. I believe that this is the most exciting time for junior gold mining stocks. It's been very depressing for quite a while. We've seen our val- the values of the stocks that we've owned go down very, very significantly, most of the time more than 50% over the last couple of years, 60, 70, 80%, not uncommon. Uh, but, but I do think that there's some reasons, and not necessarily – happy and good reasons why the gold price could be going up. And I'd like to just read real quickly something that James Sinclair put out yesterday after the spectacular rise in the price of gold. Quote, the cause of today's spectacular rise in gold price is the reality that with Friday's continued large drop in COMEX warehouse gold inventory, no cognate argument can be formed against the reality that, uh, that because of the continued fall in gold inventory, that within uh, 90 days or sooner, the COMEX must change its delivery mechanism. The highest probability is that the COMEX will have to move to cash settlements rather than gold. Part of that settlement could be lots of 100,000 GLD that represents the ability to exchange for gold. Their problem is that GLD is part of the settlement mechanism for the spot COMEX contract that GLD will be destroyed by the convertibility. It is a truism in gold that which is convertible into gold will in fact be converted over time. Gold rose today, meaning yesterday, uh, because those knowledgeable know the inevitability of the changing of the COMEX contract as it is today, which calls for settlement in gold between contracting parties. There is no question this is the emancipation of physical gold from the fraud of no gold, paper gold. The emancipation will cause physical gold exchange to take birth and to be the discovery mechanism for the price of gold. This is the end of the ability to use paper gold future contracts as a mechanism to make the gold price sing and dance at the will of the manipulators. With manipulation coming to an end, the true value of gold will be discovered by the cash exchange that are now taking birth. The advent of the cash spot exchange around the world is the natural demise of the COMEX set up as a convertible set up as convertible and now being converted. As long as one can buy spot, pay insurance, transportation, and recast by RAND refinery to Asian product sold profitably, the demands for real gold are ending the heydays or even existence of the futures exchanges. Gold is headed back to be traded as if as it was before 1973. Gold will trade well above $30,500, and those who have lived in the gold market like me for now 53 years know it. A price of $50,000 for gold is not out of the question as a result of the emancipation from fraudulent paper, no gold and paper gold. GoFo is screaming this truth. The warehouse inventory of every futures gold exchange is screaming this truth. The fact that there is no meaningful above-ground supply of gold is screaming this. The fact that most of the central bank's supply of gold is leased is screaming this. There is no reason why gold cannot move up hundreds of dollars a day when the COMEX, exchange, when the COMEX changes their spot contracts for settlement, as they must, 
as they will very soon, respectfully, James Sinclair. Well, whether James Sinclair is right or not, one of the things that I've noticed and I've looked at and talked about in my own newsletter is this spectacular triple bottom over uh, the last 10 years for the junior or for the gold index and uh, we're calling it the S&P TSX Global Gold Index and uh, I have said uh, this past weekend in my newsletter what's the downside and I'm looking at companies like Sand Gold and Premier Gold Mines a company that I just recommended in my newsletter last week a host of others like some of our sponsors like Bemoral uh, or uh, uh, like Gold Gold and Standard and various others there's a number of companies uh, that really have tremendous upside potential from this point on uh, because they've been doing their work. And yes, I'm not trying to say that the gold industry is without risk. It is a high, highly risky endeavor, no question about it. So you do need to understand what you're buying, which is why you should subscribe to my newsletter and others like that of Brent Cook or Eric Coffin and others that are, that are on this show from time to time. But I do think that now is the time to be looking very seriously at gold mining shares. Well, we only have a couple of minutes left, and so I want to tell you about next week's guest. We're going to have Daniel McAdams, uh, who heads up the Ron Paul Institute for Peace and Prosperity, uh, he, and also libertarian talk show host Jerry Robinson, who has written a book called Bankruptcy of Our Nation. Uh, Bankruptcy of Our Nation is an excellent account of what has gone wrong in America, but it is also designed to help you prepare for the difficult times ahead. I mean, we talked to David Stockman earlier today, and David didn't have too much advice other than, you know, hunker down, get into cash, get out of debt, own some gold. And Jerry would certainly agree with that, but I think Jerry may have some more ideas as well to tell you about next week, how you might prepare uh, for the uh, for the difficulties that lie ahead. With respect to Daniel McAdams, well, he has a wealth of information about the military-industrial complex and how it is shaping our future, and he also has constant personal contact with Ron Paul and a host of other dignitaries who are now part of the Ron Paul uh, organization, the Institute, uh, the Ron Paul Institute for Peace and Prosperity. And we're going to be talking to Daniel next week about uh, about what's going on there with Ron Paul in that area and also Gene Epstein will be returning Gene is with Barron's uh, he'll be here to talk about next uh, the next month's New York Junto guest uh, that will be uh, with us uh, that will be uh, uh, speaking at the New York Junto that occurs on the first Thursday of every month uh, at a Midtown library uh, well and that's really about all the time we have in closing I, d- I do want to thank the staff uh, for making this show logistically possible Tacey Trump my producer and Matt Widener uh, my engineer uh, for making the show as I say logistically possible thanks to our sponsors as well and I want to thank each of you for listening to the show making it the number one show on the Voice America Business Channel. Until next week, goodbye and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel.